What is going on, friends? Welcome, welcome. This is episode 46 of Internal Budget. Thank you so much for being here, for listening, for watching, whatever you're doing. I appreciate it very much. Make sure you like the podcast, share with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars, all that fun stuff. It really does go a long way and it is greatly appreciated. We have a fantastic show lined up for you today. We're going to talk about UND, their recent struggles, their SENS prospects showing out. We're going to talk about the World Junior Hockey Championships and the Ottawa Senators prospects that are going to be playing in it, as well as the NHL's plans for return to play and to top it all off. We have an amazing guest to come on and talk about his favorite Ottawa Senators memories. He is one of my favorite people on this earth, even though he is a New Orleans Saints fan. You know what? They, They can't win them all, right? Like, you can't. You can't be a perfect 10. Anyway, Brian Fraser, whose best buddy is apparently Drew Brees. And Brian's going to come on to tell us about his favorite memory. So very excited for that. And that's going to be a fantastic way to end the show today. But hey, let's get right into it. The Nodak Sens, they had a great start to their season, which we talked about about a week ago with the boys from Locked On Senators. Make sure you check them out. They won their first three games, and now they have faltered a little bit in the wake of losing Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin to the World Junior Hockey Championships. They lost 3-2 to Denver on a Carter Savoy late goal. They had a 3-2 shootout loss to Minnesota Duluth, which goes down as a tie in the standings, but you know those guys are taking it as a loss, and 5-3 to St. Cloud State. So those are three top teams that UND lost to. Those teams are right behind them in the race for not only the Penrose Cup, but with some national championship ambition. So that's tough. You never want to lose those games. They got back on track on Sunday with a 6-3 win over Western Michigan. But the record falling to 4-3-1 and one isn't ideal for those national championship hopes. But there are positives. There are a lot of positives, in fact. One thing you have to consider when you look at this team's record is the fact that they have been brutalized in terms of players lost. They've had injuries. They've lost two of their top four defensemen to the World Juniors. They've been struggling to put a team on the ice, Yeah, to put it bluntly. As a matter of fact, they only went with 17 skaters, five defensemen against Western Michigan. And the fact that they won that game 6-3, that's pretty impressive. That was a gutsy, gutsy performance by UND, by the Fighting Hawks. And really, it's the Sens prospects leading the way, as they have been. Shane Pinto, he might be the best forward in college hockey right now. I know that's a broad, sweeping statement to make. There are a lot of players in that circuit that could certainly stake their claim to a title like that. But the way Pinto is playing right now, it's just unbelievable. For all the fervor there was around drafting him, for all the vitriol that was directed at the Senators for drafting him over guys like Artur Kuliev and Bobby Brink, Pinto's looking like the real deal. Three goals, seven assists, ten points on the year, five of which have come in his last four games. But the mind-blowing stat for me is the face-offs. Shane Pinto is 113 for 58 on the face-off. Going into the last game against Western Michigan, he was tied for second best in college hockey with 66% on the draw. For the amount of faceoffs that this guy takes in all situations offensive zone faceoffs, defensive zone faceoffs, neutral zone faceoffs, penalty kill faceoffs, power play faceoffs for him to have a number like that, that's staggering. That is a phenomenal statistic. And it's reflective of the way that he's played throughout the pod so far. He's doing everything in both ends of the ice. He's creating offense on the power play, blocking shots, getting in shooting lanes and passing lanes on the penalty kill. He's generating turnovers on the penalty kill. He's been moved up to the first line with Jordan Kawaguchi and Reese Gaver. And the way he creates offense, he has next level vision. There was a play against Western Michigan where he skated it in over the line and all five 
Western Michigan defenders kind of gravitated towards them. Pinto makes a hard stop at the hash mark, cuts back, throws the puck to the blue line, and his defender has a wide open shot or passing opportunity. It's just he's making plays that players at his level aren't don't usually make. He's looking like a bona fide top-end two-way center right now. And that's huge because these guys don't grow on trees. That was That's actually a direct quote from the gentleman who was doing color commentary. It wasn't Jake Brandt uh, for yesterday's game. And if you want to win, you need that high-end two-way center. Patrice Bergeron, Ryan O'Reilly, Andrzej Kopitar. Jonathan Taves. Those are guys teams win behind. Every single one of those guys has won at least one Stanley Cup. They're good on faceoffs. They're responsible defensively. They can play any situation, as Pinto has been described, as the one who you tap on the shoulder in the last minute of the game, no matter the situation. That's how people refer to Shane Pinto. And look, even if he doesn't hit that elite level, even if he doesn't end up like, Bergeron and O'Reilly and Kopitar and Taze. And nobody could blame him for that. Those guys are the hot, the top end of the top end, especially Patrice Bergeron. Maybe the best two-way forward to ever play the game. But even if he doesn't hit that level, look at the difference a guy like Anthony Sorelli made for the Tampa Bay Lightning this year in winning the Stanley Cup. 44 points in 68 regular season games, 9 points in 23 playoff games, He's a middle of the lineup guy that wins you games and by extension playoff series because he can do everything. You can deploy him in any situation. He will get you secondary scoring. He will kill penalties. He will create offense by moving the puck around on the power play. He starts the transition game in his own end. This kid is the real deal. If Pinto can even be a modicum of that, if he can be on par with a guy like Anthony Sorelli, the Senators are in really good shape with their center core. You look at, we talk about it all the time, but you've got Tim Stutzla, you've got Josh Norris, you've got Logan Brown, you've got Colin White. Now you throw Shane Pinto into that mix. You might have to get rid of one of the other guys, truthfully, to make room for a Shane Pinto or move them, one of them to the wing or whatever. Because the way Shane Pinto is playing right now, you have to find ways to get this kid on the ice. It is unbelievable how he's performed in what is a tough league and even tougher circumstances now that he has lost two of the best players on his team. It's been really, really impressive so far. And in that similar vein, of a guy who does it all in any situation in both ends of the ice, you find another Ottawa Senators prospect. You find Jacob Bernard Docker. And if Pinto is the best forward in college hockey right now, I don't think there's a shadow of a doubt that Jacob Bernard Docker is the best defender in college hockey right now. Maybe even more decisively than Pinto is at forward. I really believe that. He finally got his first goal Sunday against Western Michigan. It was a beauty on a backdoor play, jumping into the rush. Three points through 11 games, but he is so defensively sound. He's leading the team at plus five. I know plus minus is kind of a broken stat, but it's the best we have. We don't really have possession stats for these players. 11 block shots, which is second on the team. And the way this kid plays angles, I talk about it all the time. It's just tremendous. He's amazing at taking away shooting and passing lanes. When teams, there's no such thing as an odd man rush with Jacob Bernard Docker. The way he gets back to break up these chances, the way he plays the lanes responsibly on those odd man rushes, he's special. He's fantastic at moving the puck and starting the breakout. And I think the thing that stuck out to me is he doesn't have... The splash plays, the flashy plays that guys like Pinto and Sanderson and Clevin have had so far in the pod. But he does all the little things right. He plays mistake-free hockey, which is what you need from a high-end defenseman. 
Turnovers, they are such a rarity with Jacob Bernard Docker. But even if they are, even if they do happen, he makes up for them in spades. There was one play against Western Michigan. Uh, this big forward, I'm blanking on his name, I apologize, but Bernard Docker was handling the puck on the boards. This forward came and laid a big hit on him and knocked him off the puck. Uh, and he took the puck behind the net, and it started an offensive zone opportunity for Western Michigan. They start cycling the puck around. Eventually, the puck comes back to the top of the circle. Same forward. Bernard Docker goes up, meets him. This forward tries to get out of the way and starts to fall. And in doing so, he pulls Bernard Docker down, all while leaving the puck right in front of him. And Bernard Docker manages to, while falling, he has the wherewithal with one hand on his stick to chip the puck up to his winger and get it out of the zone. It's little things like that that make him the best defenseman in college hockey. He's so well-rounded. He's got a cannon of a shot. He moves the puck well on the power play. I really think this kid is everything that the Ottawa Senators are looking for in terms of a right-handed top-pairing defenseman. Maybe he won't reach that level. Maybe I'm a little too optimistic, but... Don't be surprised if in a few years' time, maybe three, maybe four years, maybe as soon as two, that you're seeing Jacob Bernard Docker playing with Thomas Shabbat on that top pairing for the Ottawa Senators. Like, it's that kind of potential we're talking about. There's no weaknesses in his game right now. There's things he could stand to improve on for sure. Could he get a little faster? Probably, yeah. But could he get a little bigger? Maybe, sure. But... This kid's ceiling is sky high. And I am really, really looking forward to seeing him turn pro probably as soon as next year. In keeping with talking about the youngsters, let's chat about everyone's favorite holiday tradition. It's the World Junior Hockey Championships. We should be very grateful that this tournament is even happening this year in light of the obvious global circumstances. I know that I feel extra excited to watch this year because of everything that's happened, because we know how easy we could not be watching it, how easy it could have been taken away from us. So enough of the sappy stuff, but that's how I feel. I feel very fortunate to be watching the World Junior Championships this year, starting very soon, Christmas Day, from the bubble in Edmonton. The teams have traveled there now. Their camps have been included, final cuts have been made, and there are four Ottawa Senators prospects that are going to be playing in the tournament. Tim Stutzla, obviously, the big name playing for Team Germany. That one was pretty much a virtual lock from the beginning. Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin both made Team USA, the latter as a last-minute addition following some COVID brouhaha. And Roby Arventi, one of the Ottawa Senators' second-round picks this year, who was relatively unknown just a couple months ago, at least to fans of the Senators, is going to be playing for Team Finland. Ridley Gregg had a path to making Team Canada. Uh, he was obviously Ottawa's 28th overall pick this year. Still feeling the effects of COVID-19 after testing positive in early November. Tremendously unfortunate. Obviously, had he doesn't have his lungs back quite yet. Want to wish him a speedy recovery. He's a really talented player. I was looking forward to probably seeing him play for Team Canada this year, but a kid like that, he's going to have plenty of opportunities. Another really good two-way center that is going to be really beneficial to the Ottawa Senators in the future. So with all that said, this is a great achievement for the Ottawa Senators from an organizational standpoint. All four of these guys that are going to be playing for their respective teams were drafted this year. A draft that was polarizing for the Sens. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people didn't love it. There are arguments to be made on both sides. But I think, at least for the meantime, at least in the short term, this has been a really, really good draft for the Ottawa Senators. And we talked about Tim Stutzler. We talked about him being obviously the biggest name on this list, and it's not particularly close. He's coming off that surgery on his hand that he broke, uh, I believe it was back in October. It's going to be the first time 
that Tim Stutzler sees real, true game action in quite a while, if I'm not mistaken, since COVID-19 shut everything down. There may be rust, and that's going to be understandable if the kid hasn't played a meaningful game since March. I, I, but are we going to get a really good look at the player and get a glimpse at just how talented he is? Yeah, I think so for sure. This is a great opportunity because we're not only getting to see him play, but you're going to get to see him play in a high-end role. Tim Stutzle is not going to be on the third line on Germany's team. He's going to be playing a lot of minutes. He's going to be playing the power play. He's going to get a lot of chances to show what he can do and show why he was the third overall pick in this year's draft. And I'm really, really excited to see that, especially when you consider that Germany is missing Moritz Seider. They're missing Lucas Reichel. They're missing Nino Kinder. They are missing some serious high-end talent in their lineup for different reasons, for injuries and COVID and NHL teams hanging on to their prospects. So Stutzla is going to get a really good opportunity to put this team on his back. And he's going to have to if Germany is going to succeed in this tournament. But it's going to be really fun to watch. They open up against Jarventi and Finland on Christmas Day. And then on Boxing Day, this is the game I'm circling for me. And it's right at the beginning of the tournament. On Boxing Day, you have Tim Stutzla and Team Germany taking on Quinton Byfield and Team Canada. That is going to be a fantastic hockey game from the bubble in Edmonton. And I am really, really looking forward to seeing what Tim Stutzla can do against some of the best junior talent in the world. Team Canada is looking pretty good on paper. They've got some serious firepower. So seeing what Stutzla can do against a team like that, I think that's going to be a really, really interesting thing to look at. And Sanderson and Clevin for Team USA, they've got two tough games in their division against Russia and Sweden, one at the beginning of the tournament, one at the end at least at the, of the round robin at least. Expect Sanderson to have a major role. The coaching staff has already all but confirmed this. They said expect to see him play a lot of minutes. Clevin's going to be an interesting one because he was a last-minute addition, but he's played well in three games at UND. It's funny, I joked when he scored that beautiful goal against Western Michigan. I joked, Team USA might be calling him after that goal. And then, lo and behold, we find out after the game that he's heading to join Team USA in Plymouth. Now, was it just because of the goal? No, there were obviously a lot of factors in play with regards to COVID protocols and Clevin's performance as a whole. But he's earned himself an opportunity. And I'm interested to see if he can keep up at this level. I'm interested to see if his skating can really keep up with this, with the elite of the elite. The games against Russia and Sweden are going to be particularly interesting. I believe their other opponents are Slovakia and the Czech Republic. Um, or Austria, in fact. So, not the stiffest of competition, in all honesty. But... A really good opportunity for Clevin to make a name for himself on the international stage. Especially for a guy who came with so much criticism. Criticism that was directed at the Ottawa Senators. There were people that had Tyler Clevin on their do not draft list. So we'll see. Uh, Either way, it is a tremendous achievement. And it's him throwing it in the face of the people who... We're so down on him a little bit. And I love to see that. Even when I'm kind of down on a player, I love to be proven wrong. Because it means a kid's succeeding. And that's what we should all hope for. For teams and for players to succeed. But I'm getting getting away from the topic at hand. Don't be surprised if Sanderson is this tournament's best defender. The way he was playing at UND, he was showing some flashes of truly, truly elite play Um, positioning that's one thing I loved when they drafted him his positioning is always fantastic he's like Bernard Docker in the way he plays he takes the angles away Uh, his has a super underrated offensive game the goal he scored was a bomb of a one-timer he almost had a couple more he set up a couple more he's really good at moving the puck especially in the offensive zone starting the transition game obviously he was billed at that transition defender for the Ottawa Senators 
Sanderson really has an opportunity to show out. And because of the way he's so well-rounded, he's perfect for this type of tournament. So I really believe that he could end up being the best defender, especially if he really beats up on two softer teams that Team USA plays against. Time will tell. There's a lot of really talented players in this tournament, but it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. And Roby Arventi for Finland. Bit of a wild card. Um, he, he's Finland has been a historically good team, especially in the last five to ten years. Their hockey program has really turned it around, and they've been competitive. They've won a few of these tournaments. I'm curious as to what your Aventi's role is going to be. He has 14 points in 19 Liga games this year. Could get some serious top six looks just because of his level of firepower. He's shown that he can contribute in the offensive zone. And that if you put him in positions, he's going to score or he's going to set up goals or he's going to contribute on the power play. I've been really, really impressed with what I've seen from Finland from him so far. Uh, he may have like a, pin, a Pinto-like tournament last year where he kind of comes out of nowhere to steal the show. Shane Pinto wasn't regarded as one of the top end forwards on Team USA last year. Well, I shouldn't say that. The attention was probably more focused on guys like Kaliev and Bobby Brink. And Pinto really came from behind and was arguably the best forward in the tournament. At least for Team USA. So could Yarvente have that type of tournament? Yeah, I think so. I think if he scores a lot of goals, he could definitely have that kind of tournament. He could definitely have people regarding him in that same light as this guy who not everybody knew about. But he comes out to the tournament and he shows up. And he lights it up. I hope so. Um, they have a bit of a tougher task in their division. Playing against teams like Germany and teams like Canada. Well, maybe Germany's not the toughest task as a whole, but playing against Tim Stutzler. In any case, look out for your Aventi. He's, I think he's the dark horse to be one of the better forwards in the World Juniors this year. And now let's talk about some NHL hockey. Let me throw a date at you in a second here. January 13th, 2021. Does that hold any significance to you? If it does, it's probably because you're thinking of it, well, yeah, Brandon, that's the day the NHL is targeting to return for their 56-game modified season. January 13th, 2021 will mark 308 days since the Ottawa Senators last took to the ice and played a National Hockey League game. Of course, March 11th, 2020, an overtime loss to the LA Kings, a day which will live in infamy in hockey lore and sports lore and especially among fans of the Ottawa Senators. That was a dark day. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. And the NHL is targeting their return on January 13th. Divisions have obviously been realigned to cut down on travel. The Sens will be part of an all-Canadian division playing against the six other teams north of the border. No extended camp for Ottawa, which really sucks. Um, Teams that didn't make the bubble playoffs were promised some sort of advantage or at least hoping for some sort of head start going into next season. Doesn't look like that's going to materialize. But either way, we're going to be watching the Ottawa Senators again, what seems like very soon. Sens were one of the only, Sens were actually the only Canadian team that didn't make it into the bubble, into the Toronto bubble. And of the six teams that did, three of them moved on into the actual playoffs, one of whom is an opponent Ottawa is going to be seeing a lot of in the Montreal Canadiens. It may seem small, but this will make a big difference. It's almost a year without competitive hockey. That's absurd. That's a crazy long time. Think about it in the way that you do when a player gets injured and they have to miss an extended period of time. There's always a period of shaking off rust. We don't always see it, but it takes time. Now, factor that in. Factor in the fact. Factor in the fact. Jeez. 
Consider the fact that the Ottawa Senators haven't played a game in 308 days on January 13th. Now add in all these new players into the mix. Evgeny Dadanov, Alex Galchenyuk, Austin Watson, Josh Brown, Eric Goodbranson, Artem Zub. And even then, you don't stop there because you add youngsters like Tim Stutzla, maybe Alex Formanton, maybe Josh Norris, maybe Logan Brown, likely Drake Batherson. It's going to take time for this team to come together. This is not going to be a process that happens instantaneously. Will that affect them in the final standings? Probably. They're predicted to finish last in the division. I don't think that's unfair. I could see them finishing a little higher than that. But given their schedule, how tough it is, their roster construction, and the circumstances, obviously, of having not played in almost a year, might be a rough season for the Ottawa Senators. But I think you are going to see an improved Ottawa Senators team. You've added a starting goaltender in Matt Murray. 117 wins. Two Stanley Cups, all by the age of 26 years old. Sure, maybe a bit of a reclamation project, but I don't think there's any doubt, at least in my mind, that Matt Murray is going to come back stronger. You've added high offense and guys like high end offense and guys like Tim Stutzla and Evgeny Dadanov. Also bolstered their forward depth, especially on the right side. The right wing situation was bleak before bringing guys in like Dadanov and Watson. It may not be better on the blue line. They could be, but they may not be. Regardless, they've added more bodies. So in event of an injury, they have a little bit more depth. And you're not going to be throwing young players to the Wolves to have them get caved in. Or middling AHL defenders that you're not worried about stunting their development. And add to that the fact that you should see some young players taking a step this year. Drake Batherson is a guy everyone is expecting to take a step this year. One of Josh Norris and Logan Brown should be taking a step this year. Brown really needs it. Norris has projected to do it. We'll see, but I think it's a safe bet that at least one of those guys is going to be around for the long haul in Ottawa this season. So Ottawa might actually outperform their expectations when you add these things into the mix. I just think it's really going to take time for this team to gel. To give you a football example, my team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won Sunday, no big deal. They added all these weapons. They added Tom Brady. And Rob Gronkowski. But it's really taken time for their offense to come together. Because they didn't have an offseason together. And they didn't have a preseason. And being in the first year of a new offense, things are out of sync. They'll miss throws. Routes will be mistimed. Little things that add up. Been frustrating as a fan. But it will come together. Whether it's next year or late this year. I think the Ottawa Senators are a better team. And in 2022, I would expect them to make a serious push for things. I've I've seen this game, or this season rather, referred to as a 56-game preseason for the Ottawa Senators. I think that's pretty accurate. I think you are going to see this team maybe make some small improvements. They might not all show up on paper. But by 2022, with a few additions, maybe a few subtractions... This is probably a team that's going to at least be pushing for the playoffs, in my mind. Try to improve. Do what you can in a shortened year. If you get another high-end pick out of it, it's not the end of the world. Add another piece and go all in in 2022. I think that's how the Ottawa Senators are approaching this year, at least from a management perspective. It's going to be tough. Montreal and Toronto both got better. They both added major pieces that are going to help them towards a playoff push. But I would expect a Senators team with a little bit more of an identity. Knowing who they are. And doing their best to jump into that conversation with those other teams that have had playoff success. Or at least regular season success. When you're talking about the Leafs. And before we wrap up the show today, my good friend Brian Fraser 
has taken the time to join us for this week's fan segment. I don't know. I still don't know what to call it. You guys haven't helped me out with the name. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Brian P. Fraser. Uh, he's going through a bit of a rough patch right now, so be sure to send him your well wishes. Uh, but more than that, give him a hard time about being a fan of the New Orleans Saints because let's be honest, that's what really matters here. In any case, please welcome Brian onto the show. All right, on the show, it's the man, the myth, the legend, Drew Brees' best friend. It's Brian Fraser. <laughs> My best friend. <laughs> Close personal friends with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, best in the South, for certain. Hey, hey, hey. I'll, I'll let you have that one, but don't be taking liberties yeah. now. So, yeah, man. I mean, statistically. Uh, <laughs> shut up. I think, uh, I think the question on the forefront of everyone's mind before we get into the fan segment here is how you feeling? Give everybody an update on, on how you're doing, man. Uh, it's it like no there's no point in sugarcoating things it's been I've been in the hospital now for about 10 days it's been it's been a roller coaster as these things are it's been a lot of a lot of things it's been a lot of pain there's been a lot of a lot of frustration a lot of anxiety but so far I think we're doing about as well as we can which is good I mean, like I can't begin to tell you how awesome the doctors are here. They're they're just fantastic, and they're I'm in really excellent hands. But it's excuse me, it's a uh, it's a mountain and not a molehill. So you know, it's it is what it is, and we're gonna get the get through it the best we can. And I'm in the best hands to get through it the best we can. I have no doubt that uh, that you're going to get through it just like you did the last time. And I know you know this already, but everybody's pulling for you, man. And Definitely. I really appreciate it. Of course. So without any further ado, I know you're a big sports guy. So huge. And, and you posted a great thread on Twitter the other day about uh, some of your favorite sports memories. So why don't you share with the people some of the memories that have defined your time as a fan of the Ottawa Senators, the ones that really well, stick out to you and remind you why you're a fan through thick and <laughs> the, 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 Unfortunately, the Sens, I, goodness, it's, it sounds so weird to say, but the Sens are the only team I haven't actually seen, seen win a championship. Yet. Oh, you poor thing. I know. I've, <laughs> I've got ones with LSU, the New Orleans Saints. I got one with the Raptors. The Red Blacks won a title. And the Red Sox won a title. So I, I've been very lucky, but there have been so many moments sprinkled in that just not that they mean more than a championship and not, but it just like so many more moments that are so much more closely connected. One of my favorite stories <clears throat> for those who may not know me super well, I used, I was at one point in the spring of 2016. What a great time that was for Sens fans right before they blew it up and fired Dave Cameron and went in this trust the system direction that lasted for what, 25 minutes. Uh, I was doing an internship because I was just about to finish up at Algonquin College radio broadcasting. So I was working with uh, the guys on, uh, on In the Box. It was uh, Steve Lloyd and Todd White and Kenny Walls. And then would work late in the afternoon because I was already working at the station. So I was working with Ian Lever, Sean Simpson, and uh, whoever happened to be producing Creature, James Abson, and Steve Bunda. So I worked with a lot of great people. But one of the days, one of the things I wanted to do is was go and be a part of the game day experience because one of my favorite things when I would have a day off school or just whatever, we fish, finish up the morning show, hop on the bus, go and listen to the guys, listen to the line rushes. It's almost like a little, it's one of those things in Ottawa that's just kind of sacred. Lo Lloydie and whoever will be in the box 
and up listening to line rushes. Oh, someone's uh, getting some extra minutes here. Looks like uh, Jared Cowan's going to be out there with the healthy scratches, you know. And that always was something I wanted to be a part of. So I got to do that. Got And that just happened to be the day. God, I remember, I remember everything so well. I, I showed up and they had called this press conference. And that was the day that they, that Eugene Melnick was there. And he was announcing this. If you have any really random merchandise kind of thing, we want to bring it in and show it off for as part of the 25th anniversary season. But that also was the day that he more or less came out and called Dave Cameron stupid for started uh, for starting. I think it was Cameron. Was it Cameron? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, Cameron. Matt O'Connor. Yeah, exactly. So that was that day. And that was a very tumultuous point in the direction of the franchise because it wasn't clear yet how the Carlson stuff was going to play out. And right like at that point, it was like he could be – they could easily lock this guy up and he could be the, the, uh, the cornerstone in the next like 10 years, but he could also bolt really quickly. So that wasn't clear. And I remember he was in, it was him. uh, And I think Chris Phillips, Alfredson might have been there as well. I don't remember. I didn't actually go into the press conference, but I I was standing outside waiting for Lloydie because part of the rules there, the NHL teams are really strict about who they let into their media availabilities. And I was waiting for Lloydie and Carlson had practiced that night or in like, or like right after. So he shouted something out and then came by, ran outside a uh, gate three at the Canadian tire center and just absolutely flattened me. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to gate three, but there's like stairs and a small waiting area right outside the media availability gate. Right. So I was standing right there and he, Oh, <laughs> it just, just clocked me. Because I, I just happened, I, stupid me, I was standing right in his way. And he was like, oh, I got to go to to practice. And he just absolutely flattened me. <laughs> he was a good guy about it. He was like, oh, shit, sorry. I didn't mean to knock you down. Um, and he helped me up. He was really good. And have I heard the end of that story from, <laughs> from Daniel Alfredson's former center? No, I have not. <laughs> He's like, hey, remember the time that Carlson knocked you down in like vicious five-minute major fashion? That's hilarious. Oh my god, because he was still pretty young at this time, like 24, 25, I don't know. Um, but oh my god, it hurt. And it left an amazing <laughs> bruise right on my back. Oh, it hurts so bad. That um that would be probably the the, the funniest one I think I have, but I think some of the better ones like are, are really special moments for me that I, I've been able to look back. Like, have you ever heard about the time that I almost killed Lauren Geller? <laughs> I haven't, but I desperately want to. So this was, we, me, we weren't sitting together, but there was like several groups in different sections of the Canadian Tire Center, excuse me, that were all at game uh, game two against the Rangers. And when the third period started, I was like, man, oh man, where are we going out for, uh, somewhere after the game? Like, this looks like it's going to end up being the Brady Shea hat trick game. This sucks. Obviously, that didn't end up happening, but we were all up at the very top of the two of uh, the three hundreds. So when Paggio scored in double overtime, I lost it, absolutely went crazy, and then ran up the to the top where like the the walk around is, sprinted to where Lorne and a few other people were sitting, and like pretty much jumped over the railing and almost surfed Lorne down the 
like down the whole 300 section it could have been very bad <laughs> but i was i i didn't care at all it could have been a very messy messy incident but i was just i it was the honey badger man he just he had just scored his fourth goal i i didn't know what to do with myself and that I, I still have my ticket from that game and i i just I, I i'll never forget just jumping on the closest so it, it for all i knew it couldn't it would have been someone other than someone i who i actually knew i was just <laughs> going to jump onto someone and it happened to be Lauren. so he was he luckily i don't weigh very much so it probably didn't <laughs> he probably didn't feel anything it didn't hurt probably but it it was it was such an awesome moment to just uh, we were here for that we we rode it out and we're going to new york up to nothing and that is something that i will take with me forever just being like that was one of the highest moments I've ever had in my life and some and on the other side there's stuff that's much more low-key which has happened in the last few days like in the in the past few weeks like I haven't really been very public about it but I'll make it public now is that uh one of the guys like the sense have been really really awesome about reaching out and not just so much through the team Actually, let me rephrase that. Not all necessarily through the team. Like some people have saw that when they were doing their sensei thanks thing in the summer, just kind of like a, a boost to people. Like, yeah, we, we, we know the world sucks right now. Uh, they they uh, hooked me up with a, sh- a signed Shabbat jersey and that was pretty awesome of them. And uh, one guy you'd actually get to uh, appreciate everyone would appreciate this is that uh, the guys that at Nodak yeah have actually been really really awesome Christian Willan was one of the first guys he reached out to me and like I've been in touch with uh, various people in and around the North Dakota area that are connected with him and they've just been offering their support and how can we help out and I got a, a tweet from uh, Thomas Shabbat again that recently and Brady Kachuk sent me a, a DM the other day to say hey man we have absolutely we're here for you you're gonna do this it's gonna be great and it's it's stuff like that that I haven't really highlighted because I don't want to turn into jerk on social media like look who's getting DMs from <laughs> all of these players because that's not what it's about it's just about like hey I'm take just wanted to take a, a second out of my day and just say, Hey, this sucks, but you've got this. And I wanna help you out and maybe maybe these words, which like let's let's be honest, they they're just words to someone of that stature, but it, it, it you can't quantify how much it really does mean to someone in my position because like it's I'm still such a kid at heart and like holy crap Brady Kachuk sent me a DM on Twitter like that's so cool Brady Kachuk knows who I am and like Thomas Shabbat and Christian Willanen like Christian Willanen and I I'd we're not best friends certainly I'm not gonna say that but like there's it's not just been like those typical pandering crap messages you sometimes see from people like where it's like, is if you were about, you're going to say someone happy birthday and you just send HBD. Like, it's not that it's like, yeah, you reached out, but no, there's some actual thought and some care and some, some love that goes into it. And it meant, it means a lot. And, and it, it it's stuff like that, that, the way I've been describing it is like when the team that you love so much loves you back, it, it, it's crazy. And I've been loved back a lot by the, by the Sens in the past 18 months or so. 
do you find that not just the current moments that are happening, but, but the memories that you have, like the ones of that 2017 run, are those some of the things that are, that are carrying you through this right now? Is, is oh, that- definitely. And, um, uh, before I came back, yeah, just a second here, before I came back into the hospital, I had gone through and, uh, just gone was looking for old games because uh, something that I didn't think I would feel with just the state of the team and the mess of the games and everything I felt myself missing the send so much and missing just like the rush of who is gonna like when is Artem Zub gonna get a chance in this lineup and and just stuff like that just you don't realize how much something means to you until it is taken away and the simplest things about just things that are associated with the sense that I don't know if they're associated with uh, like I don't know I haven't done like a like a like I haven't perused most pregame shows or like pregame environment, but I struggle to think that there's one that's quite like Ottawa's is because, because it's, it is a smaller environment and it does mean so much to everybody. And we can all joke and make fun of the team and, and have fun. And it's ours. And it just, so I, I go back to those moments that I did have and like how like how things are teed up and like I I, I the pregame of like game days for the Sens mean a lot. And I felt I probably sound like a rambling no, no, not at all, man. crazy person. God, I can't believe I'm a radio professional. Um You're much more professional than I am, dude. You do like fine. it's Here's an example. Uh, the I think it was the first season Sportsnet was doing their uh, Sunday night hockey, and it might have been Ottawa's first time, one of their first times. And it's just like game day, Sens get the Canucks. They're at home. Ben Hutton's coming home. That's pretty cool. Won a championship with the Raiders. That's awesome. He had some. So that that's a storyline. And how does that? Uh, end up going that game ends up going the Sens go down I think 3-1 pull off a huge comeback Zibby scores the winner and then they fire Paul McClain the next day and it's and that's just just part of the storyline of the season like that's that's the stuff I miss not people getting fired that's not what I miss but it's like just the ebbs and flows of a normal NHL season. And it, it's, it feels like it's been, God, it will have been four full seasons now, now that we've kind of had one, because I consider the year going into the playoffs as the last regular season, because it, nothing has been regular about this team. And it's like, man. We could just, it could be five years after this season, just because now we're going into a Canadian division potentially. And like it, 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 it's exciting to, to really go into a season caring about the hockey again, because for the longest time, the hockey has been what has mattered the least. It's just been a footnote the point where it hasn't even been that entertaining because when they traded everybody it, it it was so hard to get into it and it was so so hard to like actually care because it just was a formality it was like all right let's just get to this point and now we get we get guys like tim stutzler we we get guys like drake batherson we get guys like brady kachuk and shabbat and like pick a guy 
like my guy I've kind of been hitching my wagon to is uh, Vitaly Abramov. That's a guy I yeah. want to see do really well. And uh, it, it's so exciting. I'm, are they going to like, are they going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning? No, probably not. But they can at least be a product where we care about the product and not just we will be here. It's like we put in the time. And not that it's going to be rewarded right away, but we've, we've been here, we've, we've gone through it. And it feels like, I think people need to temper expectations as well, because I think what, what else is going on is that people need to realize that another last place finish, that's, that's pretty okay. Not this the worst year. Thing in the world. But it's it's not a catastrophe and it hasn't been a catastrophe. And it's totally it's totally okay to finish last place again. And that's exciting. So that like the ineptitude is gone. It, it feels like and they're building something good here. And like for the most part, we've been pretty happy with the moves they've made there have been some that haven't been awesome but yeah like i'm looking forward to holding on to the memories that that we did have and not only that but just creating new ones like like when like what who's 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 tim stutzler gonna absolutely just posterize Who's gonna Who's gonna be his first NHL goal? Like, what's that moment gonna be? I remember so many. I can remember. I can remember. Silverberg, not Silverberg. Oh my god, that's terrible. Going into a segment saying I remember. Oh, it was Zabanajad. Yeah. It on. Uh, on Peter Budai, I I was there when Logan Brown scored. And it's like, who's who's gonna who's Stuchla gonna get? Who's he gonna get? And What's that's, Brady Kachuk gonna be like in a playoff series, right? Oh my god! Oh, he would be on fun. Is what he would be like in exactly. a playoff series. Brad Marchand would be inventing swear words. <laughs> I th- that's that's the stuff I'm waiting for, and it's to just appreciate and be like, yay, my little team. And that, that's how I feel about the Sens. And I definitely hold on to a lot of so like a lot of the old moments because like that's what's been getting me through a lot. And just watching random stuff. Like I'm a big broadcaster. I don't know if you're huge into broadcast moments, but the, there's like one of my favorite Sens calls ever was Milan McCulloch, uh against Pittsburgh. In the 13 playoffs, it was the game. That game did not go well. They Alain McCulloch getting... like a lightning bolt up the middle. One yeah, he split. I was at split that game. By Gino and um, Latang. I think it was yeah, the shorty. And then poor. I I think it was Andre Benoit came in to join the celebration and Fell, just, yeah. just <laughs> absolutely <tired>. ate it. <laughs> poor guy, but he just ate it big time. And it's stuff like that. I think I think people. I understand a lot of people out there too are also st- still suffering from sense fatigue, and it's it's look at those, look at those moments though, because those moments, a weren't that far away, no, and b aren't so in the distant future. Yeah, yeah. Where man, we're I- watching and like. Dion Phaneuf as well when he ripped it past Tuka Rask. Yes. And you just look and you see six or five red shirts just explode <laughs> on the ice. It's yeah. like, yes. That wasn't that long ago. And it's right here again. It's coming around the corner. Yeah. And we have great jerseys and there's excitement. And it's I, I'm really excited, and I, I'm sorry I've been rambling. But no, dude, this is I've been exactly going all over the place. But like, I, I just get so fired up to talk about the sense. Yeah, man, those those moments are right around the corner, and uh, yeah, you're right. Like, it is such a cool time to be positive about the sense again. I remember, like, you brought up that McCulloch game. 
which ended up being Alfie's last home game, actually. And, yeah. and I remember, I, you know, it was my first playoff game. We're walking through the halls after the game, and I'm feeling terrible because they just got blown out in a swing yeah, game. Killed. And I'm walking through the hall, and people are chanting, sends in seven. You know, then that was, even though nobody thought they were going to win in seven, like they were getting crushed by a better Pittsburgh team. Yeah, but, wildly better. Yeah. Like, there, there was no way they were going to beat Pittsburgh. No, but that's always been the vibe around this team, right? It, it, it's, but there was no way they were supposed to beat Montreal and they waxed exactly. them. They yeah. absolutely waxed them. No way they were supposed to make that run to the conference final in 2017, right? So, yeah. I still can't watch game seven, though. I, I do. I will say that, like, that for me, that playoff run ended when, when Clayson was skating around behind uh, the net of Matt Murray, which we have him now, by the way. That's I weird. I forgot <laughs> about that. It's a cool time, man. It's a cool time to be a fan. It's good to be excited again. Better days are on the horizon with the Ottawa Senators, with the world at large, and with you yourself, man. So I think I speak for everyone when I say we love you. Keep the faith. Keep up the fight. And man, I'm looking forward to being at a game sometime soon and, and, and grabbing a pint with you. So absolutely. So thank, I cannot wait. Thank you for coming on brother. Yeah. I really if do appreciate I, it. Do you mind if I drop a little support please? For, yeah. So yeah. And I don't, uh, I guess I'll have to get you to do this, but hockey gives blood, uh, is, uh, I don't know if they're like a, a branch of Canadian blood services, but they're very involved in the hockey community. They're very involved with the OHL and they do what I do, which is uh, just kind of spread the word about even in the time of COVID, how crazy important it is for people to get out and donate blood because there's people like me and people all over this hospital and all over hospitals, all over the place that need blood to get through a day and they will probably need several a day and blood doesn't last that long so if you have some extra money this holiday season if you have free time check out them and they can get you in touch with the uh, Canadian blood services and you can make a donation because it, it is so it, it's one of those things that's always going to be needed and that's kind of been my cause because I I need it yeah and it's something that is just always going to be something that we need in I, society so I'm, I'm definitely appreciate you letting me uh taking some time to to drop a mention to them because they of do course. amazing work yeah man I'll put the link in the description for sure and uh obviously you find folks listening or encouraged to go check that out uh great cause especially this time of year it is the season for giving and all that and uh mm -hmm. if you need living proof that uh that these are deserving folks then just take a look at brian here uh, did you want to plug your socials or anything man yeah it's uh brian with an i uh p uh fraser with no i uh, uh on the instagram and Facebook or on facebook jesus and uh twitter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drop a like on my myspace page <laughs> yeah follow him on soundcloud and everything in between yeah brian my friend like i said brother it has been fantastic having you on thank you so much for doing it uh my best to you i'm always here if you need anything and keep up the fight brother thanks man massive massive thank you to brian for coming on the show today and sharing his favorite ottawa senators memories with us Phenomenal human being, always a treat to talk to, and obviously my thoughts are with him and his family during what is a tremendously, unimaginably difficult time. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Internal Budget. Thank you so much for being here, for listening, for watching, for engaging. Make sure you like the podcast, share it with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars. Little things, they go a long way. They are greatly appreciated. It is the holidays, but COVID is still out there in big numbers in most of Canada. So please make sure you stay home, stay healthy, and stay safe. And we will see you next week for episode 47. Take care, y'all.